In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Welcome back to Still Interested, Still Spookin' Edition. That's right, it's November, but we're still on that Halloween grind. It's a horror movie and TV reboot and remake podcast. I'm, as always, your newly minted personality host, Ben McAllister. And I'm your rotting pumpkin, Jackson Yusuf. It's oh, like a no. carry-on from the whole jack-o'-lantern thing, but now I'm oh, rotting because no. Halloween's over. Also, carry-on, like dead meat that a bird would eat. All right. <laughs> Oh, and who's that giggling away in the corner there? I I believe it might be a special guest. And yeah, back at it again. Return of Gross Chapel. Hey! Here in the studio. (laughs) Very good. Grace is wearing a a sport coat today. She looks very professional. I thought you were going to say she's wearing a spooky mask. (laughs) (laughs) We're both wearing spooky masks. That's why the audio is so bad. Yeah, it sounds crap because of us. We're speaking through plastic. Our lack of professionalism is scary. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween's over, guys, and I'm a grown adult, and I'm not here to fuck around, you know. I'm here to do business, you know. All of us TEDx speakers, we don't have time for oh, okay. such trivialities, right. you know. We're busy hanging out with the movers and shakers. <laughs> you know, doing business transactions, oh. getting deals done. Genuine and, uh, personality, Ben McAllister. It's actually, it's a genuine privilege to be sharing this, uh, this digital space with you. But anything for you guys, alright? Oh. I'll always make time for you no matter how, no matter how big I get. Yeah, Look, right anything now, for the fans. You know, you know what I did right I, earlier today? I, I blew off Elon Musk to record this podcast. Aww. He was like, hey, hey, Big B. That's what he calls me. He said, hey, come hang out with me in my new Tesla. We're going to launch it into space just like the other one. And then you and me are going to orbit the moon. And I said, Musky, I can't do it. I can't do it, mate. Got to record a podcast. Yeah. Got to do it with my curio friends. Also, and, to, uh, be, to, to be honest, if, if Elon Musk hit you up like today, like right this second, it'd probably be just be like to get high and watch some anime. And so I feel like, you know, like. Yeah, maybe. That would be cool though. <laughs> I'd probably be more inclined to do that with Elon Musk than, than launch and myself launch into space. space in a Tesla. Yeah. What movie are we doing? I think it's Halloween. That's right. Rob Zombie in the mix. <laughs> now, I think the probably zombie. the most appropriate name yet yeah, in the series. He's bringing it back from the death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he didn't even need to come up with a spooky Halloween name. It's He's there. got one. I would say he probably did jump <laughs> up with that name if I had. If I had I, he, definitely, he definitely is a stage name, so to speak. Much like 
Michael Myers in this movie decides to jump right into a life of serial killing. Perhaps we too <laughs> should jump right into the notes that we have about this movie. Can we address the fact that the movie does open with a quote from in fiction Dr. Dr. Sam Loomis? Now you say a quote, Benjamin, Benjamin. I'd probably say it's more a poem by Sam Loomis. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, like, this a... is an, a, a bold direction to take this character. It's like a coda by, by Dr. Sam Loomis. It's a very interesting choice. Now, I didn't actually note down any of what it said. I was just shocked that, like, he is the character in the movie and he, like, gets title card billing. Yeah, it was something like the darker souls are not those which cho- that, that choose to exist uh, in the abyss. They're those that choose to leave the abyss and walk silently among us. Which I was like, I get what you're saying, but, like... Yeah, what? kind of almost. Like, Certainly not the ones that are silent amongst us, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the darkest ones are the ones that do killing. Now we're in Haddonfield, Illinois. It's a different Haddonfield to what we saw in the original version of this movie. In a similar way to like, do you remember how we watched Footloose and then we watched the Footloose remake and we were like, one of them takes place in America and one of them takes place in America. Yeah. This one feels similar to like, this is like Heartland, yeah. fucking the South, like everything's a little bit dusty and grungy compared to the like, suburban dream town that was Haddonfield in the original movie and there's a little boy wearing a creepy creepy clown mask just playing with a rat now was he just playing with this rat I mean at this point I think he was or do we do we see him do the do the killing to be honest I can't actually remember this part of the movie Mm. at all because I'm so overwhelmed by the next scene in the movie which is the family kitchen oh my god yeah so we definitely don't spend much time focusing on this little boy in a clown mask either playing with or stabbing a rat because now we're down in the kitchen and wow There are some things said in this movie. Yeah, this Can family just... dynamic and this oh. this uh, screenplay by Rob Zombie is just uh, ghoulish. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Can I mean... we just address the fact that this is probably the horniest movie we've ever watched on this show? Yeah. Like, and that extends oh to, like, God. there's, like, a scene where the family is sitting around the, the breakfast table and the amount of times people say the words suck and cock, like, in the next five minutes of screen time is just too many for this family, yeah. family breakfast. So, so we're seeing here the Myers family, which is, uh, I, be- mm-hmm. I believe, the mother, Deborah, um, who uh-huh. is, like, they're cooking up eggs. Uh, her boyfriend, Ronnie. Her boyfriend, Ronnie, Ronnie the perfect who is stepdad name. the perfect stepdad, made entirely of Vaseline and grease. Um, yes, who and bad vibes? Yeah, bad vibes. He at one point exclaims, "I'm all bro- broken up here, bitch," because like Deborah. That's the first, literally the first thing he says in the scene. Actually, yeah, yeah because he's got a lot well. of injuries. I, I, it's very, it's very confused. Yeah, then Judith Myers, their teen daughter, comes in, and she's like, I don't want to eat chicken abortions. And for some reason, there was so much shaky cam in this scene. Yeah. Like, it was, like, very, like, close up on everyone's faces, just, like, shaking around as it, like, well, it looked at I reckon, They all just... Yeah. I reckon Rob probably filmed this movie chronologically, and so this was, like, the first scene. He probably was probably feeling a bit spooked. So he's just like there holding I, the camera, just sort of like quaking a little bit. Shaking his boots? Yeah, yeah exactly. I think more likely what happened is the funding hadn't come through yet. And so then when they're filming this scene, they didn't have a dolly. Okay. So he's just there holding the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, alright, we get the dolly tomorrow, everyone. We're going to start anyway. LVP to Ronnie because, like, the <laughs> things that yeah. this man says, thinks, and does are just. Yeah. yeah. I've got another one for you. It's. Yep. 
I will crawl over there and I will skull fuck the shit out of you. Very good. Yep. Very yep. good. This is Jeff, also the when, mother. Also, when yeah. Judith Myers, uh, his girlfriend's daughter, leaves the room, he says, Man, that bitch got herself a nice little dumper, which is... Yeah. Yep, so the, 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 we're not going to probably do any more. That's nope. just a picture of... Those are the things that are said by this man yep. in yeah. every scene that he's in. Oh, there's also a baby. Very important, there is yes. also a baby. <laughs> All right, re- re- baby. Re- remember that? Layers. There's a baby. Okay, moving on. <laughs> we then uh, cut back to Michael washing his hands. Ooh, spoilers. Sorry, yeah. We, we, we cut back to the, to the boy in the clown mask. The masked who, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, if you've seen the earlier film and you've, se- you've now seen uh, one Judith... You're probably realizing that the younger boy is probably a Michael who is washing blood off his hands in the bathroom. And knife. And um, knife. And a knife. Um, implying that he has killed Elvis the Rat. The king has left the building. Um, <laughs> second note Dude, I, I, heard he, I heard he's living in Brazil. <laughs> so Michael goes down to the kitchen and, like, can we just address the fact that he's wearing a silly mask and it looks very silly and really yeah. takes you out of the scene? Yes. Like, this whole scene where we're just getting, like, this picture of, like, a really shitty stepdad is being like, oh, I bet you're a big loser, Michael. Why are you wearing that mask? And then just, you know, continuing to say awful things that we're not going to really go into. Mm-hmm. He's just wearing a clown mask the whole time. And it just looks very fucking silly. Uh, I think that's really all that happens in this scene. Like, is there anything important here? He goes down and he's abused by his stepdad verbally and then he goes to school the next day. Um, well, there was the really pleasant moment where um, his sister comes into the room and she, for some reason she she jerks oh, off. Oh, yeah, right. There's like a beaker sitting on the kitchen yeah, table. Yeah, like a milk beaker. Like, yeah. yeah, she just jerks it off. because <laughs> she. He, oh, that's right. He tells his mum that the rat died. He's like, Elvis died. And she's like, oh, we'll get you a new one after school. And she's like, what did you, stroke oh, him to death? Yeah. And then she like jerks off a beaker yeah. of milk. And that, that's where I took the note, why is this movie so horny? <laughs> like, why is this movie so boned to have, like, family members simulating sex acts just to goof on each other? That's Which is thing. actually... Because you'd be like... Whoa, jeez. Glad we're not going to see that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we pretty much later see that exact... Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, exact moment. Oh, repeated. my God. I just realized why. Now, uh, Michael's at school, and he's being bullied by the kid from Spy Kids. Yeah, Junie. Oh, Junie Juni yeah. from Spy Kids. Probably, probably the most unbelievable bully in the world, seeing as he has a big red curly fro and freckles and yeah. just looks like a huge fucking nerd. <laughs> like, there is no way he's believable as a bully, but he's like, hey, shit pants, what's going on? Which is a pretty fun opening line for a character to have. I think it's like the first thing he says. Uh, we find out that Michael's mother is an exotic dancer and the shithead bully says, do you think she'd suck my dick for a quarter? And a lot of other things along these lines. Just continuing this horny children vibe that this movie yeah. will not let up on. They get into a little fight in the bathroom. The principal comes in and he's like, stop it! Stop your fight! And Michael goes, fuck you to the principal! At which point the principal... I actually thought this moment was so funny. This is like old man principal looks down at Michael on the bathroom floor and says fuck me <laughs> like he's, he's really so astounded. incensed like he's like so incredulous at the fact that and like the delivery is so spot on like he's just like oh fuck me <laughs> and then he calls him to detention gotta give him an early MVP for that for that and what comes next which is the fact that he immediately is like this little boy clearly needs a psychologist and calls <laughs> 
and calls Michael's mother into the school and is like, we got to get your son a psychologist. Boom. Who's the psychologist they brought in? That's right. It is Donald Pleasance reincarnated in the form of Dr. Sam Loomis, played by one... Malcolm McDowell. That's right. Big Mal. He's in the mix. Man, and Malcolm... Like, like... And, like, don't get me wrong. Donald Pleasance was a fan of the occasional chew of the scenery. But Mr. McDowell has some jewels on him. There are some things later uh, about just, like, the way he's dressed and the way he acts that are just (laughs) so incredible. And it's worth noting here, like, uh, Mr. McDowell as a, like, relatively, like, I think, like, well... He's he's certainly a recognisable actor. Um, Hmm. the, The film, I think, in an effort to show movement through time, was like... What? How are we going to show him being younger? And so they've given him this really cool, trendy bob, and like yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. About that like a cool young man with like long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it's, it's dead silver, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so much though. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very silly, man. This motherfucker has worked a lot, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, dude. he will not stop working. Actually, he is in multiple movies every single year. Between, by the looks of it, fuck me, uh, 1964 and today. He's got multiple acting credits in pretty much every year between then and now. So, you know what, Malcolm McDowell? Hats off to you, man, because that is a seriously fucking impressive career. And he's got, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine (laughs) movies. He's got nine Oscars, no. He's got nine movies either in post-pro or various stages of production. So, yeah. Definitely tip your head. Tip your head and hat to Malcolm McDowell. Moving right along. Um, now Sam Loomis and the principal are sitting around being like, Michael needs a child psychologist because of this. And he pulls a plastic bag containing a dead cat out of his desk drawer, at which point his mother delivers my favourite title <laughs> pitch for the movie. Come on, big deal. He found a dead cat. <laughs> like, she's so unconcerned by this. Like, the fact that it's like, your son's hoarding dead cats. And then, like, after she doesn't really take anything from that, they give her, like, a stack of Polaroids of a bunch of dead dogs. And he's like, oh, she's like, oh, boy. Like, she's only just starting to tweak that something might yeah. be wrong. It's almost like Michael was, like, looking for, a, like, a cat as a trophy, but just kept finding dogs. And so he just, yeah. like, he'd, like, kill the dogs, take a photo, but, like, the cats were the trophy that he actually wanted. Now, the iconic music comes in, so there you go, point of remakeability, they, they did do it. But is it just me, and this is a point I wanted to address earlier, is it just me, or is the sound mixing in this movie really poorly done? Like, the, the levels of things, yeah. and also, like, when songs come in and out. I particularly noticed it here, because it was, like, mid-sentence. Like, Laurie was like, oh, not Laurie, um, the, the, the mother, Michael's mother, I guess, Deborah, was like, oh, what what is all this? What What's going on? And, like, in the middle of that sentence, just really loud, and it just, like, came in at the weirdest time, and then we cut out to the corridor, and there's Michael, and he's, like, running away. Yeah. Because he's heard the mu- murder music. <laughs> yeah, he knows film. that there's a serial killer on the loose and he gets the fuck out of there. Uh, so now we're hanging out with the kid from Spy Kids. The actual line he had was, Fuck man, if I get one more fucking detention, I'll be fucking expelled. Which is three fucks in one sentence. <laughs> nice. And I wrote, is this dialogue off the cuff? 
Yeah. I don't think they wouldn't have written that. Yeah. I, I, one hopes. Uh, well, I mean, maybe well, Mr. Zombie would have. If there's one thing we know about this horny, horny movie is that it loves to fuck. So <laughs> yeah, maybe true. maybe that was why. So we have uh, uh, Junie from Spy Kids uh, he- heading, like, heading away, but it appears now that Michael has become the Spy Kid because he tracks him through the forest <laughs> and just... <laughs> Alright, okay. Before we get to before we get to this, can we can we quickly where are they now, Judy from thank, Spy Kids? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank I you, thank you. Okay. okay, I would like to know what he's been doing and also how he looks today. And also when Spy Kids was. Oh yeah, because this was about what, eleven years ago now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna be a grown ass man. His name is Daryl Sabara. Jackson. Spy Kids obviously came out in Jackson. Uh, yeah, yeah, 2005. Just, just guess it. 2001, my dude. Oof. 2001. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so, wow. Spy Kids obviously came out in 2001, as we all know. Um, and <laughs> in that time, uh, Daryl Sabara has been in some things, including, but not limited to, the Polar Express, where he played the character known as Hero Boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in Machete. Uh, where he played the role of Julio. Oh, he's a recurring character on Ben 10, the TV series, so oh, hell give yeah. it up for him there. He's also in Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, that's pretty sick, actually. I uh, wish I was an Ultimate Spider-Man. So a bit of voice acting. Yeah, yeah. he was in a movie called Teen Lust. Just gonna okay. quickly click through yeah. on to that. Okay. <laughs> An awkward high school student tries to lose his virginity before his parents and the satanic cult can sacrifice him to the devil. Okay. <laughs> Teen Lust. Excellent alternative title for this film. Yeah, True. Teen Lust would be good. Oh, it says here that he has been dating singer-songwriter oh. Megan oh. Trainer since oh. Okay, okay. So he is engaged to Megan Trainer. Whoa! Um, dear future husband. Whoa. Oh, was yeah. that written wow. to Whoa. him? Was hang that written on. to the Spy 2016, kid? hang on. Yes, could it have been? Dear Future Husband came out about a year before she got engaged to Daryl Sabara, uh, Junior from Spy Kids, so maybe he heard it and he was like, I can do all those things. I can be the man she needs. I can buy her a ring, ring, buy groceries. Very good. What's Michael doing to the spy kid that he's tracked down in the woods? Well, he basically just pulls up a big old branch and just like beats him to death with it. Yeah, he just does yeah. a he does a beating up of him, and I gotta say, spook factor C because it was kind of too obvious. Like they gave us too much time, like to yeah. know Michael was tracking because it was they were trying to do like a big surprise thing, like Michael jumps out from behind a tree and hits him, but like you knew it was coming. Yeah. So not very spooky. No. But gore rating B. Now. Let's address the fact that gore, kind of absent from the 1978 movie, uh, I guess just limitations of what they could do really realistically at the time, but like, they really are not afraid of it in this movie. No, they are not. Yeah, you better believe Daryl Sabara's face is covered in fake blood in this scene. And then Michael does do a kill on him. Also, he does a kill. One thing I just want to underline here, though, is like a choice by Rob Zombie to include some like... Terrence Malick-esque shots of, like, light coming... Like, dappled light through tree leaves as, 
like as like the bully is like lying on the ground being beaten to death, just looking up at the trees, being like, "Whoa!" Like it's yeah, just whoa. like really strange shots to be cut into his like brutal murder. <laughs> You're getting me. You're getting me so bad. Oh no! And yeah, there's this light happening. So I I want to say by the way, there's no way they were far enough from the road for him to do this murder. Also, spoiler alert: we never hear about this murder ever again in the movie. Does not come up. Never addressed. He goes home and his stepdad Ronnie is just giving him shit about being a whiny boy he's all like yeah you wearing that mask i bet it makes you oh, and he's giving him shit about killing animals he's like hey you kill his animals because it makes you feel like a big man but you're a little pussy very bad uh stepdad behavior and then like michael's like i want to go out because i guess it's halloween night and he's like i want to go trick-or-treating judith's supposed to take me mom judith is wasting all my time it's very very <laughs> silly she comes down and is like things are going to change tomorrow mister so i suggest you live it up tonight pretty cool thing to say to your son displaying like latent yeah. psychopathic tendencies <laughs> about how tomorrow you're going to be disciplining him so you better get all your shit out tonight little boy and uh then he says that he likes his mum's hair curly i believe and then she leaves and yeah he also during that moment when he's asking to go trick-or-treating he says mum please to which her response is all right michael calm down (laughs) it was just the randomest dialogue yeah do we also get um judith's boyfriend rocking up here as well yeah that's right so so the mum leaves judith's boyfriend rocks up uh, and they're supposed to take him trick-or-treating and he's like all right let's go and she's like "Uh, no you can go by yourself and then the boyfriend like looks at mike and he's like sorry squirt and then he's like you know have have a good night though and like goes upstairs which really the subtext of that sentence is sorry squirt gotta go bang your sister (laughs) (laughs) have a good night though definitely am gonna go do sex with your sister now though so see you later i gotta say this hero this teen true hero i like this kid he knows what he's about he doesn't do anything wrong in this movie he's nice to everyone he's just trying to get laid um i think we should revisit that in a couple of minutes why what does he do that's wrong? Oh, uh, well, talk about a, it when it moment. comes. Did man. I forget something that he does? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally did. No, that's right. So, I, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I liked this kid at this point. He just seemed like a very relatable teen. He was just trying to get a nut. You know how it is. Now we're in the, stri- now we're in the, st- the strip club. And uh, the mom is stripping, and it's intercut with Michael outside. And Grace, at this point, you had a pretty weird thought, I think. Just the way it was cut and the lighting, it looked like he was in the strip club. <laughs> I was confused. I was concerned about their licensing regulations. Also, like, it, it was too, and it's an example of the very strange choice of soundtrack by Mr. Zombie, but, like, it's no! set to the love hurts. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? So weird. Yeah, who wants yeah. that when they're in a strip club? Yeah, yeah, it's very <laughs> depressing. Wants to be reminded of their own sadness. Yeah, yeah, club. yeah, sitting in a strip club just being like, yeah, love does hurt. <laughs> Yeah, very bad. Now we're back with the teens, so we're having sex, and I guess lo- the Judith just says that drunk prick Ronnie ain't my dad. My dad's in heaven. At which point, <laughs> yeah, at which point she's very naked. This is like yep. almost pillow talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The point where she's like, no, it is my like dad's they, in heaven. They and just finished having sex. Let's get yeah. back to it. Yeah, she they, also they she sex. also has like a condom sticker above her bedhead, which is just like. <laughs> Like, I guess a good reminder, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, hey, protection's important. Yeah. And um, then the the boyfriend is like, hey, check this out, uh, Judith, who I've just finished having sex with. And he pulls out 
the iconic Mike Myers mask, the, the William Shatner mask turned inside out, and puts it on, and she's like, oh, that's a creepy mask, and he's like, come on, I want to do it with the mask on, <laughs> which quickly netted this young man an LVP for me. <laughs> so I, I almost want to give him the MVP LVP traverse, just in, in very short order. <laughs> yeah. Michael is sitting, he goes, he's been sitting on the curb, and he's sad about the fact that he's not trick-or-treating. He's back inside now, and he decides it's time to doing a, do, a, do a killing again. Proceeded um, very quickly by like a million close-up shots of him eating candy like too many yes. shots oh, yeah. that is true too many candy chews yeah a lot of child mouth in the frame which then inspires him to like get out some duct tape and a gigantic knife that the family keeps yes. in a drawer and Jackson, that brings us to our first mighty goof for this movie. <clears throat> when the ten-year-old Michael Myers gets the knife from the drawer to kill his sister, as he removes it, the knife bends slightly, revealing that it to be a fake. So you know what, IMDb community? <laughs> Joke's on you for fucking that one up. But also, I didn't notice that. I don't think that's a thing. I think they've made that up. I really hope it was a fake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they didn't give that little nasty boy... Yeah. They didn't give that nasty little boy a real knife. Can I just say, <laughs> I just that was a check. creepy looking boy. He had no eyebrows, it was a whole thing. Nope. No, there's nothing there. That's absolutely <laughs> bullshit. They made that up. Okay. Uh, Alright, shall we press on? Uh, what does he do with that knife, Jackson? He gets right to it, doesn't he? He gets the duct tape, he tapes Ronnie to the chair, Dexter style. He's like a wee baby yeah. Dexter. And uh, he does do a slit throat mm. on Ronnie. He cuts his throat right right there. I did think this whole thing was too drawn out to be a really good spook, but it yeah. was saved a little bit by the fact that we got him to Ronnie's POV as he was bleeding out in the chair that he was taped to, and he got to look directly up into this creepy fucking clown mask that Michael is wearing while he's doing this killing. And uh, that's pretty spoopy. So that's a that's a B plus spook rating, gore rating C, I think. It wasn't but it was I think the issue with it was that there was no build-up, there was no tension, it was just like, we see him walk up, we see him slide the knife across, and then Mm. he's dying, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. that part was bad, it's the aftermath that was a little bit spooky, but that's really more disturbing than spooky, I suppose. We we then cut back to Judith, who decides after um, after having a a, a little slice of sex, she's like, I want a little slice of music now, so she jumps on in And also a little slice of ham. Yeah, yeah. And so she se- she sends her boyfriend, whose name definitely escapes me, but she sends him downstairs to like prepare Get like I ham. guess ham and mustard sandwiches or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, have some sex, eat some ham. It's the classic teen pastime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the boy is sitting there. He's eating the ham. In the kitchen now, the boyfriend that is. And Michael comes in, and for no no reason whatsoever, does another killing of the boy. He hits him with a baseball bat on the head, and then he hits him with the baseball bat a lot more. I did have to say, at this point, this movie is definitely fucking around a lot less. Like, we're, like, maybe 20 minutes into the movie, and he's killed, like, three Three fucking people people already, and he, guess what, is about to kill another? Um, But, like, it definitely does feel a little unmotivated. Like, why is he killing all these people? Like, I can understand why he's killing Ronnie. Well, I can understand why he killed the boy. He's got to live school. it up. Like, he killed one person and was like, oh, this is great. I've got one night. And yeah. then he's just, like, going around. And it's all going to end tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you only had one shot um, <laughs> to kill everyone you ever wanted. <laughs> but also, he was just so sad about not getting to go trick-or-treating. Yeah, maybe that this was is retribution. It. Yeah, right. So he did kill the boy. And now we're back in the room. And Judith's listening to Blue Oyster Cult. Which get, is a like, very nice touch. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, it's a nice reference to the fact that Annie... This this song is in the in the movie a couple times. Don't Fear the Reaper. 
And uh, it's a reference to the fact that like that's what Annie was fucking cruising around blasting as she was getting high with Laurie in the 1978 movie. So nice, nice touch. Uh, but she's lying there on on the mattress, looking away from the the door, and a very spooky and creepy thing happens here. Is that you handballing it off, Ben? <laughs> I will take take one for the team. Michael <laughs> comes up to his sister and strokes up her leg with his bloody fingers mm. in a very, very creepy way. Very creepily caresses that thigh. And she just, for like, I don't know, 20 seconds is just like, oh, what's the guy's name? Yeah. She's just telling her boyfriend to stop. Stop touching it. Stop it. Get out of here. Stop it. And yeah, she's basically just going like, look, once, once in a night is enough. Like, yeah, back Which off, is buddy. what she says. So that's a good message for teens. Also a good message about um, safe sex. Yeah. Once a night is enough, okay? <laughs> you don't need to keep doing it, all right? Um, yep, she eventually realizes that it is, in fact, Michael. He's also upgraded mask, by the way. He took off his clown mask and put on the boyfriend's William Shatner mask, which does look very silly on his little body. Like, it's so big. And because it kind of is like a head mask, like, it looks like he has an enormous adult-sized head on a child body, and it does look very silly. But, I don't know, like, he stabs her a bunch, and, like, they really draw this scene out. Like, she's crawling away down the corridor, making sure we get plenty of titty shots as it's happening, and he's, like, stabbing her again and again, and eventually she does die. That, that sort of shot of, like, um, a, a victim sort of crawling away is, like, really a, a favourite of Mr. Really Zombie. a recurring also, element. Also, yep. Mike. Um, we then get uh, young Mike heading into uh, his baby sister's room and like, with some spooky music underscoring, but then don't even worry about it. He just takes off the spooky mask and like sort of like wishes her a happy Halloween, gives a little kiss on yes. the head, and uh, promptly heads outside. I have, I have he not kill Babby. He mm-hmm. goes outside and sit, sit on stoop, and then the mum comes home and is like, Michael, what have you done? Oh, no. And uh, now it's this 11 whole, months later. Like, at this point... Yeah, at this point you're probably thinking, man, they really have drawn out the start of this movie. Because if you remember, like, the first thing that happens in the 1978 movie is he kills Judith, like, he kills his sister after her boyfriend leaves on Halloween night, and then it's like, opening title scene. And then it's like, the movie starts. Which now it's like, we're like over 20 minutes into this movie probably at this point, and like, all of this is just happening now. Can I just hold us up for one second, just before we get the title screen? Michael does look directly into he the camera. He does barrel the camera like it's the fucking office. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, like, he's Jim and someone just, like, said something stupid on the office. Um, absolutely. I'd like to offer this up as a moment of an unkillable supernatural monster, since it's a bit supernatural that he can commune with the audience on the other side of the screen. That is true, Ooh. and it is the only example of fourth wall breaking in the yeah, entire movie. Is. And I will say, like, introducing, like film techniques like and using them exactly once is something that this movie does like to do like the idea of breaking the fourth wall like at this point you'd be forgiven for thinking like oh this is going to be cool like as we follow michael around like he's going to be interacting with us through the camera nope Nope. never again in fact nobody does at all throughout the rest of the movie (laughs) i will also say we do in addition to that point of remakeability that you just hit gracie we get a really long tracking shot over to michael in the car which was one of our remakeable points so you know what they're they're hitting some of it early even if it is quite a different movie (laughs) oh yeah but we should we should say what happened um he got arrested Obviously. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, so so Mike, Michael has been arrested and is thrown into, um, I guess, child jail in a way. 
um, and is like locked up and isolated and now fulfills his destiny and becomes Sam Loomis's uh, charge, I guess. And like Loomis is the doctor uh, taking care of Michael and interviewing him. Um, we get some of these interviews real early on where Michael apparently seems to have no memory of what he did. Um, and is like very much like, no, I don't know what you mean. Like, uh, I, I have a memory of like killing anyone or anything like that. Um, which is then like followed by like Loomis is like sort of speculating about what's going on. And then Danny Trejo just rocks up and starts monologuing about walls and how to like watch out for walls, Michael. And like, it's just a very strange, uh, like appearance by Danny Trejo and, uh, a very strange monologue altogether. I actually yeah. thought that he was sort of referencing the whole mask thing of like if you you can still live on the inside even if you're blocked off from the outside world. I don't oh. know. That's a bit of a long straw, I guess. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think you're I think you're probably you're probably like on the right track there, Gracie. Um, There's I just, something there. Yeah, I just don't think the film has potentially executed it properly. <laughs> so now, now we, we are going to spend like the next forty minutes of this movie, like following Michael's trajectory through this insane asylum, Smith's Grove Sanitarium, where his doctor is Doctor Sam Loomis, the child psychologist who is responsible for him, right? And like we see them in therapy. Danny Trejo's there a lot, being like the 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 the, the, ward, the, f- the yeah what, the friend, guard. the friendly guard, I guess the friendly with a heart of gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Michael's, like, in therapy one day, and he puts on a big, creepy-as-fuck black mask that he's made out of cardboard himself. And Loomis is like, Why have you done this, Michael? Why is there a mask involved in your various lives? And he's like, I like the mask because it hides my face. Not very insightful. Yeah. Um, Michael also says here that his favourite colour is black. And then Loomis, I I presume a PhD-holding, like, fucking psychiatrist... Fucking schools this twelve-year-old yeah. murder on Decides the Decides to drop like, the biggest mm, well, well actually, actually Michael, you piece yeah. of shit. Like, <laughs> black is the absence of color. You fucking kid. Yeah. Like white yeah. is all color. Little and like, idiot. yeah, he really tears yeah. into this murderous um, baby boy. Yeah, he really does. And then I don't know. Fucking, there's a lot of scenes here where like he like wants to go home. And yeah, he's screaming at Loomis makes, whilst wearing a creepy mask. He makes more and more. He does masks. make a lot of creepy masks. Yeah. So he's in he makes a lot of craft. creepy, creepy masks. This just um, didn't make any sense, right? Like, right. Again and again, he's like, I'm so worried about the masks. Like, it speaks really badly. It's They can just take them away. He's yep. incarcerated. Yeah. And also, if not take the masks away, stop giving him materials <laughs> to make new masks. Yeah. That's the thing. And they're like watching him on the camera is like, oh, it was such a worry that he's making all these masks. He's not responding to treatment at all. <laughs> like, sweet. just take the masks off him. Don't give him more mask yeah. materials. And, like, while you're at it, just cuddle his fucking hair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not very sanitary for a sanitarium, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> got him. <laughs> Michael's mother, Deborah, is like coming in and like sort of talking, talking with Michael. Visiting. And, like, she still yeah. wants a relationship with Michael. Like, yeah. there's very much the, the angle where he like, he claims he doesn't remember doing the murders. He's like, well, I hope everyone's okay at home. And she's like, yes, dear, everything's fine. And just like, it's, you know, like a, he's a mentally ill kind of vibe. Did you get the impression that he actually couldn't remember or that he was. There's no way to know. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I guess sort of ambiguous. The film does a fair bit of stuff being like maybe like the mask and Michael are separate sort of things and that but like it it's sort of like 
at this point, it's not really set up enough to really like land on either fe- yeah. either side of the fence. I did also have here that at one point Loomis, um, in like a later scene, like gets Michael outside and like so basically they're like, oh, isn't this a tree? We're sitting outside in this fenced off garden, um, being like at least there's some greenery around. And then Loomis proceeds to just completely start complaining about his life and like him being a failure. And so many of these interactions is Loomis being like, oh, Michael, there's so much going on with you, but what? What about me, though? And then we'll, like, What about me, Dr. Samuel Loomis? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I will also say, though, like, structurally and character-wise, so far, like, it's a very different movie to the original movie. But I think this is, like... Honestly, like, the dialogue is bad, a lot of it is bad. I think, just structurally and character-wise, this is better. Because my reasoning for that is that it gives Loomis and Michael's relationship some semblance of motivation. Like, it feels real. It feels like there's actually... at least, like, screen time devoted to them interacting. Whereas in the original movie, what we literally get is, like, Loomis in a car is like, oh, I've been treating Michael for 20 years. And then the rest of the movie, he's just running around chasing Michael, being like, you don't understand what he's capable of. Whereas here, like, we get to see some of those interactions that yeah. motivate that relationship, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. I, I think it definitely helps the whole... Lo- I, I, it definitely helps Loomis as a character and the connection between Loomis and Michael. I do think it slows down the film and like absolutely so we'll say this the movie's gone from an hour and a half to two hours long that <laughs> half hour they've added is all up top like it's just yeah. half an hour of Michael <laughs> yeah. in the yep. sanitarium that they've added at the start of the movie absolutely uh, okay so what are we doing now what are we doing now the nurse now they're, one? they're having lunch yeah 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 so, so Michael and Deborah and Loomis are all having lunch together and then you know, they're eating. Michael's not really eating. He's looking down. He's wearing a mask. And then Deborah's like, all right, I have to go. And Loomis is like, I shall walk you out, Mrs. Myers. We have much to discuss. And he, like, walks out of the lifts. And he's like, oh, nurse, look after Michael while we're gone. And uh, he sends this random nurse into the room to look after Michael. And at this point, I'm thinking, like, I bet he's stolen some cutlery. Because you notice while they're eating lunch, they're eating with metal cutlery. Like, they've got metal forks, they've got metal knives, they've got metal spoons on the plates. And you're just like, oh, yeah, he's definitely (laughs) stolen some and like it it, it couldn't be more obvious from the second the nurse walks in the room that she's toast like she's about to be fucking toast like she's toast and then she sits down with this like murderous child and is like hmm cute baby couldn't be related to you and she's like why are you antagonizing him like what are you doing so the 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 mother gave Michael a picture of the baby sister that he had that he didn't kill and so like she looks at it and decides to antagonize Michael at this point We've got another mighty goof, ladies and gentlemen. No asylum where a character is imprisoned as criminally insane would give inmates metal forks. They would be replaced with plastic cutlery for exactly the reasons that they end up being used here. Yeah. Fear of being used as weapons to attack staff or other inmates. You know what? Yeah, that's fair. 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 <laughs> that's, that's actually very far. I also, I also want to I point out like the nurse's complete arrogance in like turning her back to Michael as well. Yeah. Not only does she come insult child. him, she just turns away from him and is like... <laughs> Have a nice like, does life, she, kid. Like, <laughs> do, does she not know that he's like a serial killer? That he's murdered multiple people now? Like, does she not know that about him? Ooh. Also, because arguably he's ugly because of what he is as a person. Or the other alternative is that she's just like really horrible and is like, you're an ugly looking kid. Like, and it's just like being very superficial about it. I guess he is, you know, a small, a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that nurse only likes big boys. <laughs> yeah, the nurse, she's only into the big boys. As murderers boys. go, he's a little boy. But she well, probably yeah. just thought she could take him. Would you turn your back on this spooky murder boy, Gracie? You, a young lady? No, absolutely not. No. It's because you've got sense in your head. Yeah. yeah. And she does not. Also, I do think her death is on Loomis. Gotta say. Like... So oh, when yeah. Michael inevitably picks up the fork and just destroys this nurse, like just just gouges her fucking eyes out and totally does kill her with the knife, I think that is the fork, rather. I think it is absolutely on Loomis, and for that reason, Loomis gets an LVP. It he def- just called it- a random nurse into the room, left her alone with a psychopathic child with metal cutlery. Absolutely bad job. It definitely also sets up this this universe. Uh, in this universe, uh, Loomis's propensity to just like see a situation and be like, oh my god, what is, oh, what the hell, oh, would you look at over, oh, god, well, oh, I can't believe it, like, and just, like, <laughs> like exclaiming things, like, a million words a minute, just being like, I, the feelings, oh my god, it's, it's absurd. Uh, now we're back at home with Deborah Myers, and she does kill herself, because she's very sad about, uh, the fact that her son is a psychopath and she has no one left in her life. Except for the baby child that she does have, but anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, th- and now it's that fi- is the conclusion. Yeah, it's, it's 15 years yep. later, and that is the end of the pre-movie movie that explains the movie, and we've started the film. <laughs> it was the first hour. Yeah, it was literally an hour. an hour of movie Half at that the movie point. was yep. the pre-movie movie. Yes, and so now Danny Trejo walks in to the asylum. He's looking a little older. He's a <laughs> security <laughs> guard. He's talking He's talking to his, his mate. The redneck idiot security guard. Yeah, and no. He definitely foreshadows, definitely foreshadows his own death by saying, "When I retire in three months." <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, "Daddy, working. no!" <laughs> yeah, the second he says that, you're like, "Oh no!" Goodbye. No, Danny. No. Yeah. So the redneck idiot definitely is a shithead, and I don't like him. Uh, and they go into Michael Myers' cell for whatever reason. I guess they're going in there, and like the the redneck guy is like, "Oh, why does he have all these masks? This is all fucked up." And Danny Trejo's like, "Hey, don't fuck with his masks. He's just that's just his thing. He likes masks, all right. Let him let him be let him be alone." I do love the fact that Michael Myers is like an enormous Hulk of a man. I just wrote down He's like, like I want to know what his workout regime is. Like, good god. Yeah. Not even so much his muscles as his literal height. Like, he's just very tall. He's just a big, big man. He must have some serious muscles, though, because he does lift people off the ground. Yeah, I mean, he's an absolute absolute unit. There's no question about that. Who is he? Oh. (laughs) 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 Who is he? Who who is that? Who is the boy? Where is he now? It's Taylor Maine. Wow, he's a big boy. <laughs> Birth name Daryl Carolat. Oh, he played Sabretooth in the original X-Men. Hey, what do you oh, know? Huh? Oh. Yeah. Who is also a gigantic man. <laughs> yeah. the, wait, wow. it'd be strange if he wasn't, to be honest, Gracie. It'd be a strange, it'd be very much casting against type. <laughs> He's only four inches taller than me. Oh, Ben. He is I would love pounds, to see a Halloween reboot with Ben McAllister as, like, <laughs> yes. as a like Michael Myers also got a PhD. And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dr. Michael Myers and Dr. <laughs> Sam Loomis. Pa- paging, paging Dr. Michael Myers. Sam Loomis comes into like a, a new hospital to work and his colleague is Dr. Michael Myers and no one else believes him. What? Oh. Halloween! <laughs> In this remake, it's Dr. Mike Myers, and it's like an Austin Powers thing. And he walks into the hospital and says, <laughs> <laughs> and 
So what? As in like Michael Myers? As in Mike? Doctor Mike Myers is like sort of one of those uh, characters that can only <laughs> can only make musical sounds and can't actually speak. And so his character just no. goes around like humming the tunes off Austin Powers. No, that was just the soundtrack that the movie plays. Oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I thought it was a fun a fun yeah. character choice for the. For, no, for that no, but but the, the fun character choice is that the character is Mike Myers, the actor, but he's played by me in the movie. And Interesting. <laughs> for some reason, he's also Austin Powers. Anyway, uh, Danny Trejo and this other guard are, are transporting Michael Myers to his therapy session. He's now a big, big, grown, grown man. At which point, Dr. Loomis says, You haven't said a word for 15 years! That's nearly twice as long as my first marriage. Yeah, he, it's was, like- he said, I don't know what to say. You haven't said a word for 15 years. But how is it that 15 years is yeah. his breaking point? Yeah. He's like... <laughs> Today, that's it. Yeah, today, it's exactly fifteen years. You did it. Fifteen years. Yeah, that is the amount of time it is required for me to retire. I also also do a thing where he's like, he says, in a weird way, you've become my best friend. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, fucking like Loomis won't shut up about himself. It also, it's worth very quickly holding a brief memorial service for his beautiful, beautiful hair, which which has tragically perished over the last fifteen years. Yes, because now he is full grown Malcolm McDowell. Um, but Loomis is retiring. Michael Myers is still wearing a mask. Why do they keep letting him have masks? Okay. Loomis retires. Uh, he's like, I'm sorry. I have to move on with my life. I've devoted so many years. I've lost two marriages to try to fucking make you. I swore that if, I I swore that if a patient never spoke for 15 years, I would retire on the spot. And you did it. (laughs) That's part of the Hippocratic Oath. That's what they make you say when you become a psychologist. You broke me, and now I have to retire. Thank you very much. And then Luke fucking like whinges about like why he like why he blames himself. Like you know what I mean? Like he's just kind of like, oh god, I'm such a failure. You know, I've got no one, and you're my best friend. And it's like, dude, like leave this poor guy alone. Is all this mask making? Could it be that all of this mask making qualifies as? A villain with an eye for theatre. Because he definitely seems to have an eye for theatre. Which was one of our points of remakeability. I mean, he's literally making costumes. Stage costumes. Commedia dell'arte style masks. That is true. He's going to put on himself and his victims and then enact a scene where he's like Pantalone or whatever. That's right. I did year eight drama in high school. And then we cut to a lecture where Loomis, like, does a lecture on, like, just backstabbing his best friend. Literally, the scene before, he's like, you're my best friend, and then he has a whole lecture and novel on, like, Michael Myers is the most evil man alive, and I think that's, like, genuinely such a backstabbing by Loomis. (laughs) Yes. Alright, so we've arrived at the scene. (laughs) It's worth noting here that a lot of the stuff we're talking about is the director's cut, um, so there was a theatrical cut. Ten additional minutes of of spooktastic. Yeah, spooktastic spooks. Um, and then the film basically decides, in, in a way to get into Michael's cell, we have Noel and like, I think Noel's cousin. Who are both guards. They take a female patient hostage, bring her into Michael's room, and then this like genuinely very graphic like sexual assault takes place. And completely it's... Completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Com- probably... Yeah. Probably among the more graphic depictions of sexual assault I've seen in a film. It was also, for me, it was the mo- easily the most disturbing scene in the, the film, which is like, are you kind of defeating the point of this spook if, you know, yeah. the, the bad guy is not 
you know, doing the worst stuff. Yeah, it, it is such a strange decision to be like, okay, we need to generate, like, a catalyst for how Michael escapes, which is the next thing that happens in the movie. So let's have these two guards antagonise him by sexually assaulting another inmate in his cell, and then he'll, like, start attacking them while they're distracted. Anyway, we're not going <sighs> to dwell on it. He basically, like, it's happening, and he gets up, and he just kills them both, and then he kills all the guards. Yeah. And, uh... He, like, it just goes on a, a big old massacre murder, and then we come to... Uh, uh, Danny Trejo discovering that all his final guard employees oh. are, are oh my murdered. god, dude. Yeah. Dude, um, but he's like, so he, he comes in and he fi- finds all these corpses and sees Michael just standing there and he's like clearly so terrified, but he's still trying to do his job like the fucking hero that he is. He's like uh. shaking and he's like, all right, Michael, I just gotta gotta get you back in your room and he like he's three months from retirement i know he picks up some cuffs off the dead body of another guard and is like all right michael i gotta put these cuffs on you and like michael puts his hands out you think he's gonna let him cuff him up but then he like grabs danny trejo and fucking drowns him in a bathtub the whole time danny trejo's just like i was good to you mikey i was good to you and then like he like nearly drowns him and you think he's gonna let him live because he like drops him on the ground but then he does rip a tv off the wall and crush his head with it uh, Which yeah. is I mean that, gory. that is a that is a flair and an interest in theatre, I would say. So you can like mark that one yeah. down as yeah. an extra point there. Yeah, yeah. What you I give that one an eight out of ten on the gore. Grace, really? we, we use an A to F scale to oh, grade no. gore on the show, so please, please, please conform um, to that. So an A minus, I guess. Yeah, I think that's very fair. That was very gross that they did that, and also posthumous MVP for Danny Trejo because he really, really tried to do his job even to the last. You better believe we've got Tom Sawyer by Rush in the background. <laughs> Again, a strange Michael, choice musically. <laughs> oh, dude, no, I'm into it. I'm fucking into it. The only I think song it's a, gr- it's I a great track, so but it, I don't think it suits or underscores the scene well. It's literally like Rob Zombie was like, I love this track, and it's going right here. The whole scene is pretty out of okay, context yeah. of the whole film, right? Yeah, like, th- let's talk about it. This scene adds literally nothing to the movie. <laughs> it is so bizarre. Hey, like, this, this could it, added, be... it added a smile to my face, Benjamin. It, so it, that's... it added my favourite character in the movie. Maybe, maybe in any film ever maybe my favourite character of all time let's let's consider that Gracie can you you take us away on this character's introduction (laughs) can you tell us what I'm saying I just want to preface this scene so this scene does occur it's at a truck stop we'll let Grace recap it this scene could literally be like a self-contained two minute like extended trailer for this movie because it adds nothing <laughs> to the plot of the movie. Dude, maybe it was. It, it is a complete aside. So, so basically we have this cool dude trucker rock on in <laughs> to the, the truck car wash and uh, he gets out, he comes in, he starts yelling at people, he's just swearing. The only thing I actually wrote down, maybe you guys got more of this, but was his introduction of his name... I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. He definitely yeah. does introduce himself as <laughs> Joe Grizzly, comma, bitch. The one time we get his name. Like, we spend about five minutes of screen time. Like, I'm not just kidding living you. This with this character. He, just living with He shows with up at a truck stop. He's a random character we've never seen before and after this scene won't see again. He shows up at this <laughs> truck stop. He, like, says a bunch of really effusive shit about his truck. He's like, this fucking truck here is the greatest fucking truck in the world. You better clean it properly. He goes into the bathroom. He's like, all right, guys, I'm going to go crank my heart. 
dog. And he goes and gets it like a toilet stall in the bathroom. Pulls out a copy of Skank magazine, which is the name of the magazine he's looking at. Proceeds to look at a picture of a spread butthole on camera. There just is one of those happening in the movie. And he's sitting there like, nice. But then, just when you're thinking, what does this have to do with the movie? Yeah, the world's grossest feet rock up. And, like, Joe looks down... And like basically like like there's a knocking at the door, there's these like gross scaling feet. Grodiest grodiest feet. But what is on his feet? They're like grey. It's like he's dipped them in cement. It's fucking weird. So gross. And then like Joe like Joe like responds being like, Listen, buddy, there's a uh, taco up in here that's doing all all, all manner of business up here, so it's gonna be a while. Why don't you go wait somewhere else? Michael knocks again and I, I wrote down here as a quote, one of just in cinematic history, you wouldn't think this could be said, <laughs> but he turns like he looks dead at the door. Intensity in Joe Grizzly's eyes as he says, "Look, fella, if you're looking for some action, you better take it on the arches before I drop this load." And I was like, "Jesus Christ, Joe!" Like he he made it sound so threatening as well, but like. <laughs> What does yeah. take it on the arches? What does that mean? Like, walk. I, also, I, I, I mean, I like, think it means, like, arches on your feet. I think he's like, <laughs> you better yeah. back off, buddy. At, at which point he delivers his iconic line, let me introduce myself, I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. He throws open the door and pulls out a knife to stab Michael Myers, does get killed by Michael Myers with his own knife, I believe. Like, is, is literally the whole purpose of this five-minute scene where we spend five minutes living with Joe Grizzly to explain how Michael Myers gets the jumpsuit and the knife. Like, is that yes, the purpose of this that scene? is the purpose. Yeah, I, I thought... I mean, first of all, most important thing, huge MV, MVP to Joe Grizzly. Has and to be LVP. Yes. I have to say both. <laughs> also that. For, yeah. Maybe for the spread butthole, yeah, that I didn't need to see when watching this movie. <laughs> fair, fair. Maybe that's more for the cinematographer. But um, it has to be said here, I thought it was like, cool, this is him getting the jumpsuit. This is him uh, getting a knife. Not uh, the knife, but a knife. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And I guess he's also going to get a truck. But... Oh no. my god, big rig Michael Myers. So, yeah, big no, rig Michael Myers, big fan of that. Um, Michael doesn't... Apparently Michael doesn't take the truck and... Apparently, Michael can't drive in this film, which... Yeah, at least it's never addressed. Well, yeah, which posits some questions into how he gets 100 miles from the hospital he's in to Haddonfield, Illinois. That's why his feet are so grody, because he's been walking 100 miles. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. It's Halloween night again, and we're meeting Laurie, the horniest teen in Hornytown. And we're in that, um... Immeasurable horror coming to a suburban neighborhood. That's true. This neighborhood is suburban, and that is one of the points of remakeability. So here we are. So Haddonfield does look a lot more suburban and chill than it did at the start of the movie. That's for true. And Laurie walks into the kitchen, and in a nice throwback to the first scene where Judith jerked off a milk bottle, Laurie decides to pick up a bagel and be like, hey, mom, and then just like finger fucks the bagel. In front of her mother for literally no reason. She just does it because she felt like it, I guess. Yeah. And that happens. We That happens did, then. Now, Laurie's family, the Strode family, are both, like, pleasant and fucking bizarre. Like, the performances that these parents are putting in, like, the actors playing <laughs> these parents, so they are doing a shift and it is concerning, the, like, the choices they are making. Laurie's walking down the street. So, okay, alright, at this point, like, we're an hour into the movie. Like, we're halfway through the film. 
And, like, the remaining hour of the movie is literally, like, the same movie as the 1978 movie. Like, beat, beat for beat. So we might we might accelerate a little bit yeah. and just blow through some scenes. Because if you listen to the last episode, like, you've heard a lot of this before. Um, it is very, very similar. There are a few key differences, though. So Laura's walking around. She's babysitting Tommy that night on Halloween night. Uh, she goes up to the spook house again, which is Michael Myers' old house where he killed his sister and stepdad and her boyfriend. And, uh, I guess where the mother continued to live after that happened until she killed herself. Okay, so yeah, like, Laurie goes up there because her dad's trying to sell it, I guess, like, Strode Real Estate, and she drops off, like, a key or a flyer or something. Same, same shit as happens in the in the original mm-hmm. movie. And she leaves, and, and Tommy's being a little shithead, and he's like, oh, you have to babysit me tonight on Halloween night. And Mike Myers is actually in the house when she comes there. Michael Myers yeah. has gotten into the house, and he is digging around under the floorboards in the bedroom, and he does, in fact, find the Michael Myers mask and the knife. Yeah, so what was this about? Is this, Which, like, yeah, the begs- night... That he murdered his whole yeah. family. Yeah. He was like, he, like I'm going to get arrested. Yeah. Better yeah. hide my stuff under the floorboards. And what is the property scene like in Haddonfield that no one has owned this building in the last 15 years? Yeah. Why is that the case? Michael picks up the flyer that Laurie left at the house and sniffs it because he's a big creepy weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must say, again, I do actually like the way this movie focuses on Michael like more like as a character. I think it actually adds something structurally. Yeah. Structurally, I think it adds something. All right. Uh, okay, so now, now we're hanging out with Laurie. She's at high school with her friends Annie and Linda. Uh, Annie, if you recall, was my favorite character from the 1978. She, she was very cool and chill and, and loved to smoke weed and drive around listening to Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> and these teens are all so horny. All they can talk about is how they're going to catch some dick on Halloween night. They're all making <laughs> plans to hang out with their boyfriends. It's the only thing that they seem to care about. Uh, and... Laurie looks out the window, and you better believe she sees Michael just kind of out the window remake, in the street. Complete remake yep. of that, yeah, of the um, earlier film. Of the scene where she just sees him out the window, yeah, like, ab- absolutely. The, the girls here, like, they're sort of, like, planning their little sex trip, essentially, um, like, the babysitters and all that, um, and the ending of this scene is, like, the girls, like, sort of studying, but, like, not really studying, and then Linda looks down in her book and says, Ethyl alcohol boils at 78 degrees Celsius. Pretty cool, right? And all three girls are in agreement <laughs> that that is in fact pretty cool. <laughs> See, I completely missed that because pretty much everything that these girls talk about is just, for me at least, watching the movie was complete background noise to just you know <laughs> the main event of Michael Myers watching them. Yeah, it's like it was completely meaningless to the film. Yeah, it's true. It was completely meaningless to the film, except for the fact that it gives motivation for all that they do later, which is just different iterations of sneaking into different houses to have sex with and their boyfriends. All sex. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so now Loomis is at the insane asylum doing the scene that I totally mentioned before, where he's yelling at the boys who live there, <laughs> work there. He says, <laughs> just keep the monkey house locked until the monkey died of old age! And he's like telling them that that's what they should have done. Very good title pitch. Very, yeah. very good title pitch there. We get here that they, that they didn't an APB this time like he says like and he's yep. like do you think that's gonna do anything that's not enough I think he calls them shirt tuckers at a certain point and then he's like we know yep. where he's going and then they're like where and then like this is as Loomis is about to drive away and chase after Michael he looks these like like the head of the hospital and this other doctor like dead in the eye and just yells Haddonfield 
And, like, in a way in which it's almost like he must have misread the screenplay or something, because it's like, where would he go? <laughs> and he turns, looks at them, and is like, Hanfield! And then, like, speeds <sighs> off. And the fact that this um, child psychologist is like, yes, I am the only person who can deal with this violent criminal. Yep. I must go to do All it in by myself. And me alone. I yes. must stop him. Yes. It is my fault. So it he- is my failure. It is all about me. And in the spirit of it being all about me, I'd actually like to take the two of you on a journey. Um, oh! Um, I'm going to actually mix it up a little bit because the taglines for this film are pretty mask-oriented and straightforward. And I actually, um, oh, okay. while I was looking through, being like, what can I play off here? I actually uncovered another feature on IMDb. And I no, figured Jackson. I might actually oh, yes. roll ahead with you. Because, admittedly, watching this film, as we sort of mentioned, there's a lot of, like, uh, like genuinely quite disturbing stuff. And so I was looking for a parent's guide to watching this film. Yes! And I definitely found nice. one. So, we have a, a an option on IMDb to go to the parent's guide for Halloween 2007. Uh, I love the parent's guide for movies, dude. It's always so funny. So, uh, rated, rated off for strong, brutal, bloody violence and terror throughout, sexual content, graphic nudity and language, etc., um, so the top topic, sex and nudity, severe, 10 uh-huh. out of 11 found this severe, so that's good. Oh. Um, and so we list some sort of stuff, for example, like any depiction of nudity and that sort of thing. Of which there is a lot. Yeah, look. Yeah, it's that classic IMDb, <laughs> like, bizarre fetish database. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm looking at it now, Jack. I'm looking at it with you. Or is there, is there a game here? Should I not look at this? Um, no, I'm just going to read, read a couple of them out, basically. But, like, for example, in, like, okay, sex nudity, good. a teenage boy, Steve... And a teenage girl, Judith, lie in bed kissing, brackets, her bare breasts and his bare back are visible, eh, close bracket, he is shown on top of her thrusting briefly, and then he gets out of bed. And you're like, okay, cool, you can- <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of information there sort of thing. Another feature of sex and nudity in this film, a husband and wife kiss. I mean, that's important, particularly in like, yeah, the context kiss. of this film. Yeah, uh, A man makes crude sexual remarks towards a teenage girl who's the daughter of his girlfriend or wife. Because that part is important. The last yeah. part is important in defining the sexuality. But also, like, three teenage girls taunt a man who watches them walking along a sidewalk and one invites him to have sex with them. In brackets, they laugh and walk away. So really, just uh... sort of like... <laughs> A lot, yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of like, little detail. We, the yeah. next category is violence and gore, of which eight of nine found the severe. But like one of the one of the first uh, comments here, this movie is one of the most violent in the series. Hard to watch, <laughs> which is a, a statement I probably agree with, to be honest. Yeah, hard to watch. But I maybe could... not for that reason. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Profanity, Jackson. A lot of profanity. <laughs> 62 F-words and its derivatives. One obscene hand gesture. Um, I would upgrade that to two obscene hand gestures. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, 26 sexual references. Okay, sorry. Fuck you, IMDb. Someone went through and counted every sexual yeah. reference in the movie. There's got to be more than that. There's almost as many scatological terms as there are sexual references. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember more. Much poot. <laughs> and some may find young Michael <laughs> Some may find young Michael's murder scenes disturbing or intense. Due to his young age he starts to kill at. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a, uh, a that's brief walk through the the parents' guide to now, Halloween now, 2007. Now, now, can we can we quickly dip in the plot keywords because the fourth one is Mexican American, and I have to think that has to do with Danny Trejo, but I really don't know. Yeah, I don't I see how Mexican American so. is a plot is a plot keyword for this movie. Definitely bloody body of s child. So typo there in that one. Uh, plot. Yeah, it'd be small child. No, I think it would be a child written wrong because the A and the S keys are right next to each other. Uh. Uh, scene of the crime. Murdered with a fork. <laughs> <It's> very... <laughs> oh, see what else has murdered with a fork. Let's find out. What other movies have fork murder? Um, the Prowler, 1981. The Mutilator, 1984. Oh. Madhouse, 1974. The Sl- Oh, Jesus. What happens in The Mutilator, 1984? A teenager who accidentally committed matricide finds himself being hunted together with his girlfriend and mates by his now-crazed father. So there you go. Wow. Um, so these are the most popular murdered with a fork movies. That's cool. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, oh, female rear nudity. Better just quickly click on to Female all nudity. Let's do yeah. Yeah. Female frontal nudity is the next one, Grace. Yeah. Female yeah. rear nudity. Female oh, frontal geez. nudity. That's good. Hey, do you guys want to know what the most popular female rear nudity movies are? Because the oh. first one is Halloween and the second one is Halloween 2. So, okay. you know what? A simple favour. Yeah, followed by a simple favour. I don't remember any I haven't seen the movie. Are there butts in it? And whose butt? It must have been Blake Lively's butt. Or Anna Kendrick's butt, perhaps? No, definitely not. Alright, let's go to the parents' guide for simple favourites. We cannot get to the bottom of this. Okay. The bottom. Uh, The first thing is a woman's bare bottom is shown. Not very helpful. Okay, later. Blake's nip slips up in a scene. Oh my god. Where she wears a coat but nothing underneath. Oh no. What? I... Also was hoping to um, wrap up this little trip to the wonderful and genuinely horrifying world of IMDb with one other little tidbit I found, um, which was a brief excerpt from a scary good list by the community based off of, um, like, ranking the Halloween movies, because obviously we have, like, the newest one out at the moment, which I guess we might tackle in a few months when it comes out on Blu-ray, but... We have a brief summary of Halloween Resurrection from 2002. According to this list, the worst film in the franchise. (laughs) I'm going to read out this very brief uh, summary of why this film is so bad. But honestly, it doesn't read that bad to me. The plot as it were, involves an internet reality show filmed inside the old Myers house, which conveniently allows Michael to kill several annoying cast and crew members, including Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks. The premise feels dated and exploitative, even for a slasher sequel. Oh, and no recap would be complete without calling out Buster Rhymes' kung fu fight with Michael. We can only hope John Carpenter received an apology letter. So, thank you so much for this franchise. This This is Halloween Resurrection. Uh, It's just, it's a sequel to um, Halloween H20, which um, rebooted the franchise. Sorry, Jess, did you mean Halloween H2O? H2O just said water. (laughs) Halloween H2O just add water, which is definitely, definitely what that episode, that that movie should be called. (laughs) 
the teen girls, the Babysitter's Club, are all walking through the town, and they're talking about how much they hate the cops, because Annie's dad is Sheriff Brackett, played by none other than Brad Dourif, and he shows up in his police car, and he's like, who wants a ride home? And uh, Linda is like, sorry, I'm allergic to bacon, or something like that. She says, bacon mobiles make me nauseous. Yeah, fucking sick burn, (laughs) sick anti-establishment teen vibe, hates the police, fucking... Fuck the police. She, yeah, she's right on it. And the cops drive away. Don't know why she hates the cops so much. What's happened to her to make that a part of her life, but okay. Uh, now Sam Loomis is showing up at the graveyard with the graveyard caretaker. They go over to the grave again, much like in the original movie. They find that Judith Meyer's grave has been dug up. This time, added thing that happened, which is that a little fucking coyote of some description was crucified on the grave. Pretty fucked up detail to add. Definitely good title pitch because it applies to the, well, everyone involved in the production side of this movie. When the gravekeeper sees that the grave has been dug up, he says, why would someone do some shit like this? (laughs) So that's probably my favorite title pitch for the movie. He also said when talking about, um, Michael's mother that she couldn't handle the stress of being Satan's mother. Very good. That's very why she good. killed herself. Satan's mother, very, very good. Uh, at which point, the movie decides to keep with its tradition of introducing film techniques that will never return in the movie <laughs> by just having a title card on screen all of a sudden that just says in big white text, Trick or Treat! Uh, because now we're going to meet Michael and you better believe Trick or Treat is happening, I, I suppose. Um, so Michael's in the Myers house, he's hanging out there, Linda and her boyfriend Bob show up, these are two of the ratty teens, this is the tall teen who hates cops, and they go to have sex, they do bad sex, and then she's like, go get me a beer, and he's like, okay, I'll get you a beer, and it's the same movie at this point, it's literally the same movie, she, he goes downstairs to get the beers, Linda calls Laurie, who's babysitting, so, uh, yeah, okay, so set it up, it's Halloween night, Laurie's babysitting Tommy, Annie's babysitting Lindsay, and Linda's sneaking off to have sex with Bob, and... She calls Laurie and is like, do you think I'm a slut, Laurie? And Laurie's like, I don't think you're a slut. Don't be ridiculous. <sighs> and yep, that happens. And then back down in the kitchen where Bob's getting the beers, Michael comes in and kills Bob. Now, I did kind of like this kill because it was big overkill. He strangles him to oh, death yeah. <laughs> and then impales him with a knife and then stabs him into the wall with a knife. He's like suspended <laughs> off the ground, stabbed into the wall by a knife. At this point, Cal Silberstein, hey Cal, hope you're listening, had showed up at my house, given that he was late, uh, and he, he described this scene as a double kill, which I think is, is pretty nice. <laughs> okay, so Michael decides to do a prank, the exact same prank, where he, he takes Bob's Halloween costume of the sheet and puts the glasses over his eyes, dresses up like a ghost, for like literally four and a half seconds but it it is just it didn't really work for me in the first and it does not work for me in the remake either it's just so goofy right He's yeah. just, he's wearing this sheet with sunnies yeah. over the top. It's totally a prank. They're not sunnies, they're Bob's glasses. Oh, hey, it's a prank. It's a definite prank to try and make himself appear like Bob. But yeah, I mean, of course, from, from this point on to the end of the movie, it's going to hit all the remaining points of remakeability because it's like shot for shot, like the right. same movie, beat for beat. He does this same silly, silly thing. He walks into the room where like Linda's lying there completely naked. So naked. Yeah, very, very naked. Um, and he just stares at her and she's like, Bob, quit screwing around. Give me my beer. And then he, like, you know, fucks with her for a couple of seconds and then just starts killing her. Does start doing killing of her. And the camera makes a a, a very good effort to make sure we get a lot of... a a really good look at her very well-styled pubic hair. 
So there you oh, go. It was, yeah. Yeah, she had a real. And, um, yeah. Really not a, a whiff of male nudity in this film. No, not a butt. Not a butt. Well, and not a, I feel not a like the trailer I watched really teased some Michael Myers dick, and it never came. And I am um, <laughs> genuinely upset. <laughs> yeah, there were all those scenes where it was like panning down over his torso, and then like when you when you were just about to see the dick, like it zoomed back up to his face, and he just like cocked one <laughs> eyebrow, kind of like, huh? And then it was like, see the movie coming Halloween twenty oh seven. Yeah, I remember that. That was a big a big mood. Um, <laughs> Sam Limis is buying a gun, and it's the silliest oh fucking scene God. in the movie. He's in the gun shop, and he's like, "Yes, yes, this this one is fine. This one will be fine." And the gun selling boy just won't stop selling. He's like, "You've made the sale, mate. Stop selling." He's like, "What about this one? It's got this caliber and this many bullets." And then he's like, "Yes, yes, just wrap it up, wrap it up." Like the concept of wrapping up a gun, also very very silly. Laurie's here, like giving kids candy with like her family and that sort of thing. Um, like she's there sitting with mum, and like mum's um, like trying to crack jokes, but is just like the performance is genuinely shocking. Dad comes out, punches a dart. It's a really strange family vibe. Laurie leaves to go babysitting, and then Dad plays the moves on Mum. Mum's like, <laughs> "Not just yet, Mister." So Dad stands up and is like, "No!" Oh. Like he, the Mum wants to like talk about going on vacation. All the teens are getting some. Why can't I get yeah. some? Yeah, <laughs> and like like the Mum's like, "I want to talk about vacation first. And the Dad's like, "Oh, I hate vacation. I just want to stay." Um, and then he's like finishing up with his dart, and then Michael bursts out of nowhere, grabs the dad, moves inside, and just like ices him instantly to yep. no visible reaction from the mother. Yep, that's right. The thing that's been added to this movie is Michael killing Laurie's parents. He breaks into her house while she's off babysitting Tommy, kills the dad, like fucks up the mom off camera. And then, like, drags her. Again, we get, like, another, like, she's slowly yeah. crawling away. These well, moments are so weird, because it's like, how do they get away from him to do this really slow crawl away? And he's yeah. just, like, wandering slowly up walking to go along and finish them. the job. It's yeah. so weird. It's very silly. He eventually catches her in the living room and really surprisingly slowly snaps her neck. Like, grabs her <laughs> hair and is just like, yeah. and there we go. Just, like, really <laughs> eases into it. Just slowly turns her head back until her neck snaps. And she dies. Eyes. And she's dead now. That she's just she's straight dead. There you go. Yep. She's done a dead now. Her parents have done died. Now we're back with Laurie and Tommy. Tommy's scared of the boogeyman, and Laurie decides because she's a shitty, shitty babysitter that she's going to antagonize this child by making fun of him for being afraid of the boogeyman. Very, very good. You ever do any babysitting, Gracie? Uh, yeah, I sure did. I was a teenage girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? <laughs> did you ever spook any children? Not no, deliberately. It was really my vibe. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not intentionally. No, I had. Most of the time it was fine. I did have these one kids who lived next door to us and I babysat them once and the parents left and they were like, they'll be fine, they'll go to bed now, but you have to put them to bed. So I tried to put them to bed and they were up for the next six hours, let me tell you. just fucking around. Uh And the parents came home and they gave me like 20 bucks for six hours of work. Yeah, very shitty. Very bad. The worst. Did you at least get to eat all the icy poles you wanted? No, I was too busy looking after these fucking nightmare kids. Oh, what little shits. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so there you go. That's the true horror. It's Gracie's real life babysitting <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, that's the, the, the spookiest thing yeah. in the film. Yeah. <laughs> right, Annie's making popcorn. She's making popcorn again. She's like complaining about how Lindsay, the little girl she's babysitting, is a real queen. And she's like, uh, I'm making popcorn for her royal highness. And <laughs> Michael's just like outside, like just he's, fucking he's with really her. really getting around like, quickly this time. Like, okay, but also like, why? Like, why is he here? Why yeah. is he fucking with her at all? Like, uh, 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why is why is he even anywhere near her? Like, what has she done? Why is how does he know where she lives? I guess because she has the sexual hormones in her body, she yeah, has to die. Yeah, and he's a dirty, nasty fool who loves watching teens fuck. And he <laughs> yeah. just can't help it. I guess it. he like, did smell that flyer that like Laurie dropped off earlier. Maybe Michael's like part of his powers is smelling teen hormones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a dirty, dirty, nasty, nasty man. And uh, at one point, at one point, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's right." He like, okay, this was spook rating B plus for me. He breaks into the house that Annie's babysitting in just to fuck with her, and he sneaks up behind Lindsay, the little girl for Annie's babysitting, and he's just standing behind her like while she's watching TV. It was very spook. Uh, but then oh, yeah. Annie comes in the room, and he like ducks away, and like blah blah blah. And now we're seeing a scene with Loomis and Officer Brackett, where Loomis is like, hey, by the way, uh, yeah, so I spent 20 years trying to cure this child psychopath, he broke free, and I believe he's in your town tonight, gonna kill a bunch of people. And Brackett's just like, uh, nah. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, you made this up so that you could sell books that he was actually this evil, I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, <laughs> LVP to Officer Brackett, just like ignoring yeah. all this like valuable information, which does spoiler spoiler lead to the death of his own daughter and also several other people. So you know what, LVP Wait, to what? you. Who is his daughter? Annie. Annie oh, is yeah. Officer Brackett's daughter. So you know what. Um, so we move from this sort of conversation, um, and then like back into the like the babysitters again, and like these girls, the all they care about is sex. Annie has set up Laurie with Ben, this guy, who, um, and basically, and like, basically, going like, all you want is a boyfriend, right, Laurie? And she's like, hm, you're right, I need a boyfriend, and that's like the, the scene. Paul Which is picks a cool vibe for young women. <laughs> yeah, Paul Paul picks up Annie. Mike Mike is there just watching. They speed away in a car. I, I gotta say, man, I love Michael Myers' verticality. Yeah, he's... <laughs> that's true. He's a very, very, very tall He's man. very vertical. Now we're back with, now we're back with Loomis and, and the, the chief. It's like the second scene almost in a row, but they've just changed location. So, like, they're now in, yeah. like, yeah, his well, office still talking about the same it's thing. So yeah. Yeah, so they've literally yeah, walked no from the street scenes, to yeah. the office having the same conversation. Um, and, and, and whilst like, that was happening, we just had to be shown... Like Annie and Laurie talking about having boyfriends. Yeah. And also uh, for them to really, really stretch the idea, like really stretching the idea of like Michael Myers just being lurking in the background of shots. Yeah. Like they made a real point of like Annie's walking down the street with Paul and Michael Myers literally just like walks into frame from out of frame <laughs> and he's just in the background staring at the camera from behind Annie and Paul. Very, very silly. But... Now we're back with Loomis and Officer Brackett, and Loomis is actually trying to put in work here. Like he's he's desperately trying to convince Officer Brackett that Michael Myers is probably in Haddonfield, and he's like, I, I genuinely think like he's come back to try and do more murders here. At which point, uh, the officer is like, look at this photograph. Turns out it's Chad Kroger and Nickelback. Ha ha! Get it? Remember that one? Ah. Look at this photograph. Very good times. Um, th- they give a big reveal that uh, the little baby girl that uh, fucking. Michael Myers' little sister, the only member of his family that was at home that night that he didn't kill uh, after the mother committed suicide, she went up for adoption, and the sheriff, for some reason, knows the fact that it's Laurie. Laurie was the adopted child, and... Which raised huge questions for me yep. about how Michael could have found this out. Yes, so if- how did Michael know this? <laughs> yeah, right, so, okay, so, so this is the big reveal, like, the big pivotal change in the structure of their relationship, that, like, 
actually yeah. tries to give some, which again I think is good, tries to give some motivation for why Michael Myers feels a connection to these teens at all. But also, yes, how in the name of fuck would he have found out <laughs> who his, like, where his, where his adopted little sister ended up in life? It doesn't matter. So they realise that, like, he, the parents, if, if Michael Myers is in town, the parents, Laurie's parents are probably not safe because that's probably where he'd go. Again, not sure how he would have known that. But, um, yeah, he, they, they, they make a, they make a move. Head towards her house. Yeah, they they, they call they call the Strode family and the message machine plays and the the parents of like like Laurie's parents have recorded a uh, a novelty Halloween spooky, message yeah. oh, and so it is good. so it's so much just like the dad be like hello there like you've called like the spooky family Strode and then the mom's like happy Halloween like it's just it's a lot it's a lot. But anyway, now so Annie's babysitting and Lindsay is like watching a very spooky cartoon on the TV where a skeleton rises slowly up out of a bog into the frame. <laughs> that was an A-plus spook for me, so very, very well done by them. Um, Annie and Paul are having sex, I guess. There's more nipples on yeah, camera. This s- scene is introduced. We cut from um, Laurie being tickled by her babysitting children and it cuts immediately to Annie having sex. Yeah, that's and right. And it's so yeah. much yeah. Very, very to just weird. conflate those two things. Yeah, what a, a weird little match there. Yeah. yeah, she. So Annie is getting it on the couch. Good for her. Um, Michael Myers seems to just have a sixth sense for fucking teens. And he just can't get enough of it because he comes up right behind the couch where they are, and he's like, "Ah, cool." And uh... <laughs> um, he immediately dispatches Paul, and he gets up and is like running away. Of course, she's still topless. Uh, like she runs out the door. Michael grabs her, pulls her back in. She like kicks away from him, runs to the kitchen, grabs a much smaller knife than his, goes to stab him, Good and for he her. just yeah, good for her. And then he just like wallops her, and she like drops to the floor, like like drops the knife, and then like starts trying to crawl away. And then Mike grabs there her it is. and drags the her back time. again. Yep. The slow crawl yet again. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lindsay was shut enough to hang out with Tommy and Laurie so that Annie could have Paul over and do sex. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and so because of this, it means that Laurie and Lindsay head over to the ha- the house where Annie's at. Uh, basically, they, they open the door, <laughs> and Paul's body is strung from like the ceiling, like with a fucking like uh, jack o' lantern, like yam, like like grabbed onto his head again. A very theatrical flair from Michael. Um, and then Annie's, <laughs> Annie's yeah. body is on the was, floor. There was some good fucking slices. hiding, dude. Yeah. Like, hiding behind the door, like, he was well hidden there. Like, yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah. no kidding. They run in, Annie, like, is, like, on the floor bleeding. Like, Laurie freaks out. She tells Lindsay to run back. She goes to the phone, Annie's, like, sort of crying. And as the door shuts, Michael is just there behind the door. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spook. Annie's still alive, kind of. And Laurie calls the police and is like, oh, there's been a murder here at this house. And then we cut back to the police chief, Brackett, who's with Sam Loomis, I guess, on their way to fucking Laurie's parents' house to see if they've been killed. Um, and then they, they hear the thing over the radio, like, what? Where was the murder? My house! And he, like, fucking turns around and hauls ass. And they're like, how long is it going to take us to get there? Like, the cops are on the way to go save Laurie. And he, he's like, probably ten minutes. And I'm like, bullshit! Ten yeah. minutes late at night yeah. with police sirens on? Surely you can cover the entirety of Haddonfield in that time. <laughs> yeah, there is exactly. no way this small town is that big. But okay, whatever the fuck you like. Now we're back with like Laurie and Michael Myers. They're finally having like their final confrontation. All the other teens are dead. Um, 
But Annie put in, like, a good slog. I actually gave her an MVP nomination for surviving that long with no shirt. She... Do she we actually do see her die? No, that's true. We definitely don't see her die. Like, she might um, have made it through. In fact, she, I, she yeah, probably no. did if, she, if, we don't, if we don't see her dead on screen. Yeah, you know, an off-screen death. Why not? Um, in fact, let's find out if she's in Halloween 2. Oh, no, Annie Brackett totally is in the movie. What do you know? There you go. She hey. totally, totally MVP. is Makes in it the all movie. Through. Good for her. She survives. Laurie is limping away now. Like, when did Laurie get injured? No. I'm not sure. We didn't see it. No, yes, have she, she's, like, sort of busted through a door, getting away from Michael, and I, I assume she, like, cut her leg on some glass, maybe? I don't know. But she's but basically, like... they don't like, show it. No, they, they don't show it. And so she, like, she's out, she's gotten out of the house, like, running away from Michael. Michael's just walking very quickly with his gigantic legs. And, like, Laurie is just, like, s- like running as fast as she can over the, to um, the house but where Tommy Dude, was, like, Ma- left. Michael is a big, thick boy. Like, he oh, is yeah. not, he's an absolute machine. Like, he just busts through doors and shit. He won't be contained. Two cops show up, I guess. Like, so, but Michael's in, the, Michael's in the house at this point, right? Like, at this point, I fucking was so checked out of this movie. Um... She, she gets back in the house and she's like, kids, we're going to have to hide from Michael Myers. And Michael breaks into the house and then you're like, oh no. And like, they're holed up in a room and then the cops show up and the cops are like, are you in there? It's all safe. You can These come out. These cops fucking These cops are fucking idiots, man. Yeah. Like she, she, she's like, uh, did you get him? And they're like, there's nobody out here. Boom. Cop one gets iced. Fucking Michael Myers appears at the end of the corridor. Cop two gets one fucking shot off at Michael Myers. One bullet out of his gun as Michael Myers slowly walks down a hallway towards him like he doesn't run he's slow walking down this hallway he brought a gun to a knife fight and he's still lost he brought, exactly, <laughs> he brought a gun to a knife fight spent 10 seconds firing one bullet at which point I noted that this is America there's no way the cop wouldn't have just lit him up with fucking 65 <laughs> yeah, bullets the exactly. second he saw someone they would have just fucking completely lit him up it's bullshit um, yeah LVP to that cop yeah, for sure. Loomis and Brackett are arriving back at Brackett's house. Got to pan down on Annie's nips. Um, <laughs> Got to make sure they're in the frame as much as we possibly can. Oh, and it's her dad. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. And he's like, oh, nice nips. And then, <laughs> oh, and, um, it is October in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> what Grace means is it's cold. So Loomis goes back outside and the two boys, um, Annie, sorry, Lindsay and... Um, Lindsay and Tommy come over. And Loomis, this man, they do not know. Like, they come up to him and they're like, Mr. Mr., there's a man in the house down the street. And he's like, run away, kids. Get Tell the police. Get to safety. And then he, like, <laughs> runs off down the street. Yeah, doesn't tell like, the cops the at all. Fucking... like, this is my solo yeah. mission now. He, but he, he runs down in the chicest way. He's wearing his black turtleneck. <laughs> he's got his trench coat on. And he's, like, running, like, very arched back, like, prancing down the street. I gotta say, dude, MVP to Loomis's costume designer because they nailed his look in this movie. <laughs> it's a big vibe. He looks, like a sha- he looks like a Shakespearean actor. And he's running down the street like, I'll save you. <laughs> so fucking good. Uh, okay, so... And then it's basically just Laurie battling it out with Michael yeah. for the rest of the film. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, like, so Laurie, various, Laurie wakes like, up, like, in, like, the Myers basement and is, like, next to Linda's dead body? L- Lindsay's. Lindsay's dead body. No, no Linda. Yeah, Linda's dead body. <laughs> Lindsay's the girl. Yeah. Um, Linda's dead body, st- still naked. Um, there's also, like, the tombstone yep. down there, like, the Myers tombstone. Yeah, yeah, the Myers um, tombstone. Laurie's He's there. laid everything out all creepily. Yeah, it's like, unclear how Michael found out that she was his sister. It was never explained. It happened. He did also definitely get He's shot one time. He did get yeah. shot one time and has not even winced. 
Um, so, yep, there you go. There is that. Laurie sort of asks Mike, like, who he is, essentially, and, like, like as in, like, not being like, who are you, but she's, like, sort of freaking out, and, like, she's holding Linda's body. Um, Mike sort of, like, walks over, drops the knife, kneels in front of her, like, pulls out a photograph. It's the photograph of him and her when she was a baby. She's like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what's going on. He takes off the mask, and it's just kind of, like, sitting there silent. And then she's like, let me help yeah. you, let me help you. She's crawling towards him, reaches for the knife, and just, like, jabs it in between his shoulder and neck. Um, and then, like, yep. tries to get the fuck out of she there. She stabs him real good. Yep, she stabs him real good and tries to get the fuck out of there. She, much like her brother, as we've now revealed, is an absolute tank, will not be contained. Yeah. She's busting through locked doors. Like, she literally kicks out a door, fucking rips open a chain link fence, and it's like, all right, there's some family resemblance there. Like, she's she's a fucking machine. She won't be stopped. She has to get through so many obstacles. Literally, like, the remainder of this movie is basically her running from, like, obstacle to obstacle, trying to get through different doors whilst Michael is chasing her. And he just pummels through yeah. behind her. Yeah, she, like... Like breaks open doors, very impressive. He breaks open doors even more quickly. Eventually, she escapes, ends up like she falls in a pool in the backyard because she's a fucking idiot. And then Michael like comes down in the pool and is like, "I'm gonna get ya." But then Loomis shows up just in time and shoots Michael like fifteen fucking times yeah, and fucking uh, shoots his best friend down. like like yeah. four or five <laughs> times. It's so sad. Yeah. But it does, again, actually give that moment something resembling payoff, right? Where he's like, because he's trying to convince him, he's like, Michael, stop! Michael, stop! Like, he doesn't want to shoot him, but he has to. And then he shoots him a bunch of times because he he keeps advancing because he's not listening. So, you know, there's something there if you wanted to be optimistic about it. Yeah, Um, so Loomis then uh, picks up Laurie and, like, takes her away, gets her to the car... Um, they're sitting inside okay. the police car. Yeah. Laurie then Again, repeats that These characters have line. never met or interacted. Yeah. Never met or interacted at all. This is the first time they've been on screen together in the movie. Um, Laurie, like, asks the question about, like, whether he's the bet- the boogeyman, and to which, like, Loomis replies, like, well, my d- my dear, I think in this case he is. It was so strange. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so let's just address this quickly. This is where the original movie ended. Like, this is where it ended. Loomis shows up, shoots Michael. They leave his body there. The two of them are, like, have an, a small moment. They turn around. Michael's body's gone. That's the end of the movie. So I'm thinking, like, all right, this should be the end of the movie. Like, this this, this should be it. Yeah. It's, it's about to be over. Nope. No. You... you it, li- literally, there's just another ten minutes of screen time where, like, I don't even think we should really go into it. Like, literally what happens is Michael comes back, he attacks them, he attacks Loomis, Loomis falls over, Laurie runs away from him again for about ten minutes, eventually they're wrestling with a gun, and she shoots him in the head. And Loomis is alive, he shows up at a critical moment and, like, distracts Michael just long enough for Laurie to get to the gun or something. No, but that like, was only in the director's character. Okay, yeah. either fucking way. Like, it's literally just, like, another ten minutes of what the previous ten minutes of the movie yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. I didn't take a single note. Yeah. Yeah, she goes back into the Myers house and then, like, he chases her again and then they escape to get, uh, together again. They crash out a window, she wrestles with a gun, fires a bunch of blanks and then shoots him in the head blood explodes all over her and then we see her screaming and then her screaming as a baby and then spooky credits of like Michael as a a young boy like beating shit up and that's it that's the end of the film Okay, well, I certainly hope you've enjoyed listening to us recap this movie that was very, very similar to the last movie. Hey, (laughs) we know it's not October anymore, all right? But that doesn't mean we can't have fun watching these spook movies together, you know? And hopefully you had fun watching it with us. There's still 
two months till Christmas. We gotta keep up the festivities. Oh, what are we gonna do for Christmas? Are we gonna do Santa with muscles? Should we just call Ooh, that shot right now? I'd love are we gonna to do, do Santa, Santa with muscles? Is the thing because it would be so fun. Are, are you gonna be in town, Jacko? Yeah, dude. I should. I think I'm gonna be in town from like the 17th of December till like the 1st of February. Uh, Gravy day. Yeah, and dude. You Santa know I'm coming yeah, back for Gravy yeah. day. Hey, look. If you want to know what the fuck we're talking about, we won't tell you. But you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and try and maybe find out. You get me at Mr. BT McAllister. I tweet a lot about. Well, at the moment, I don't know science stuff. But other than that, podcasts and also occasionally football. <laughs> you can check me out. Yeah, I'm at Jackson underscore Usid, and I, like, probably similarly sort of stuff. I mean, like, more like, you know, uh, mostly podcast stuff, a fair bit of sport in there as well, you know, just like in and around, like, the, the big conversations. A lot of stuff on Elon Musk, actually. I'm always up in, up in his, uh, in his retweets and follows and, and that sort of thing. Really just checking in on the guy. Yeah, I, I do a lot of tweeting at Scott Morrison. Not really about anything, just like what his day's like. And Gracie, where can they find you? I'm just desperately trying to log into my Twitter to find out. <laughs> Hang on, let me, let me find out for you. Hang on, it's on my phone. Yeah, um, I am at Grace underscore Chapel on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet a lot, to be fair, mm-hmm. but um, if you want to find me, that's where I am. If you want to reach me, yeah, very, very good. Uh, also, at Curio Network on every platform, and at SI Curio Show. Wow, we really dragged this out a lot longer than we usually do. Let's do the post-show. All right, boys and girl, MVP. I've got the principal for his delivery of Fuck Me. I've got Danny Trejo. I've got Joe Grizzly. Uh, and I've got the costume designer who designed Loomis's costume. Who y'all got? Who's on your MVP? I have... Only Annie, just for mm-hmm. surviving mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. with no shirt or bra to speak of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In cold, cold Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> just Annie. Annie's your only one. Yeah, it's my only one. Look, there wasn't a lot to reward. See, Joe yeah. Grizzly is probably the most iconic character in movie history. Just going to quickly... Grace, let's just quickly watch this scene and see if it, it, it helps you get there. Oh no. Alright, we can't. Um, Jackson, I think we should nominate Joe Grizzly, but I think what you should do is try and rip the audio off YouTube here of him talking about the poo that he's doing and play that instead of the outro music. Oh, that's the scatological references. Yeah. Oh, he makes like 29 of them in this one scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think Joe Grizzly gets it for carrying the movie's entire scat quota. (laughs) <laughs> which is a hard thing to win anything for yeah. he also does the entire comic relief quota yeah that's true that is true he pulls a lot away well we agreed then is it Joe Grizzly is he the grizzliest yeah. man in town I think okay. it's Joe Grizzly yeah. uh, it's gotta be the stepdad right yeah that's true that's a powerful one Stepdad is powerfully hard to get around. I didn't actually have did, that one, but I think No, he, yeah, actually I did also have him at the top. I think he is the most vile thing in the movie, or one of at least. So I think probably Yeah. Probably Yeah, no, I can get on board with that. Money. Like he's arguably responsible, right? Like it's arguably so him gross. who fucks up Michael so bad and makes him into that. So sweaty. He he's just like a sweaty broken yeah. mess. <laughs> He's a grease machine. And the fact that he was really injured and they never addressed why or how or why that was an important part of the movie. He just had a broken arm. I bet he just did it on set that morning. Yeah. All right, write it in. All right, so fuck that guy. LVP for sure. And I'm going to take you through the trivia. The trivia. Wingardium Triviosa. That's the name of this segment. (laughs) 
Okay, alright. This one's funny because of the fact that I misread it on a glance. Uh, the, the piece of trivia is Malcolm McDowell ruined a great number of takes by invoking hysterical laughter in the other actors. But I definitely read it as Malcolm McDowell ruined a great number of lives by invoking hysterical laughter. Uh, either way, very good. Emma Stone auditioned for the role of Laurie Strode. Jesus Christ. Ooh, what a different film and how do you turn her down? Like, What? Well, it was 2007. She wasn't Emma Stone yet. They dropped the ball. She'd done... Um... Oh, what's that fucking movie? Man, 2007 was the the year we always talk about that was like the greatest year in modern cinema. No Country for Old Men, There Will oh. Be Blood, Ratatouille, Zodiac. She done Superbad. Also bad, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Superbad, Superbad came out in 07. Well. Superbad came out this same year. Fucking crazy. So okay. they could have made Emma Stone. Yeah, yep. Emma Stone could have been in this instead of Superbad. So you know what? Ooh. Thank you, Rob Zombie, for not casting Emma Stone. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe we would have lost Emma Stone. There's an online interactive game in which you play as Michael Myers. You can still play it today. <laughs> Just all right. What's the address? What is it? It doesn't say. That's it. That's the full bit of trivia. He gives the trivia, but doesn't give you any fucking. Uh. Oh, this is just kind of sad. This just betrays a real lack of faith in the movie. The movie was not released in the United States on Halloween weekend for fear of going head-to-head with Saw 4. It was instead released two months earlier on the last weekend in August. That's such a shame. Who's going to go and see Halloween in, in August? August. <laughs> Coming this oh, August. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. Check it all hey, out buddy, at CurioNetwork.com. Give me a heads up. I got a Taco Deluxe Supreme talking back at me, so I'm going to be a while. So do you mind waiting somewhere else and let me pass this beast in peace? Look, brother, if you're looking for some kind of action, you better take it on the arches before I'm done dropping this load. Or you're going to be one sorry a-hole. I see. What we got here failure to communicate. You just hold on, Daisy. Got something for you. Let me introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. And I'm gonna cut that mask right off your face.